you're listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Hey, as you go, no, that's not your dismissal uh, for those of you that tried to stand up. Hey, we're having a blast talking about the vision that God has given our church as we do expand this house. Uh, Before I jump into the meat and potatoes of today, we had a blast last Wednesday at our dessert reception. This was an event where we, uh, it's open to everybody. So if you sign up for guest services, we'd love to give you the behind the scenes, some of the numbers, a little bit of the story, which is amazing, and uh, talk about how a church like New Chapel can take this type of ground. And so I have one date left. We might add another event, but don't bank on it. So this Wednesday at 630, uh, if you have kids, bring them. We're going to fill them up with health food and uh, let them watch a movie. It's going uh, to be a blast. Also, uh, sign up for a small group today. It's the only way to guarantee that you're going to go to heaven. And so, uh, just kidding, but, but do, do sign up. Uh, the small group fair was last week, and this week, groups are going to be launching, I think, tomorrow. And so, you want to jump into a group that interests you. We believe that our church should grow bigger and smaller at the same time. That church is not just in rows, church is in circles. And if you have an experience like that, uh, I got to tell you, you're missing half your life. I do want to say to those that are new in the church today, uh, what an honor that you're here. And you get to hear about a church that really cares, that has vision from God for the future for families just like you. We want to make space for normal, everyday, ordinary, Grand Rapids, Sparta, maybe even a Nuevo person. I don't know uh, if our vetting was loose, I, I think maybe. But, uh, you know, we want to make space for people like you, like me, to be able to have a church home. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Amen. Y'all love what God's doing in the life of your church. John's Gospel, if you would, John chapter 6, St. John. I'm going to read for you a passage of Scripture. It's the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Here we go, John 6, verse 1. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. I just pause. My only disagreement with Scripture is this. Not really with Scripture. They should have built a bridge. I mean, these guys are going across the Sea of Galilee all the time, traversing this thing. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat with his disciples. So what's happening? Jesus is ministering and God builds the crowd. You say, well, Pastor Joe, I don't want to be a part of a big church. Listen, you are going to hate heaven because there's going to be a lot of people there. And God sent the crowd. They're following Jesus. They're not following you. It's not about you. It's about the crowd that's following him. And I'll tell you another thing. Anything that's healthy eventually is going to grow. So verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus asked this only to test Philip. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii, half a year's wages worth of bread isn't sufficient for them that every one of them might have a little. What is he saying? He says, it's not enough. This is like the equivalent of trying to take... uh, Just a little McDonald's Happy Meal and feed a stadium. It doesn't make sense. Verse 8, another one of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? How far? It's not enough. 
It's not sufficient. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Here's leadership that came in the room. We'll read a little bit of another gospel's account of the same story, but Jesus has them sit down in hundreds and in fifties. Jesus was a leader. Keep that passage up there for a minute, guys, while I, while I talk. Uh, Jesus was a very pragmatic person. He was a leader. So, so on his first miracle, if we remember when uh, they were at a wedding and Jesus turned water into wine, do you remember what happened? They went to Mary, Jesus' mother, and like, Mary, we need some help with this. And, and she's like, Jesus, you know, they need some help. Do whatever he says. This is a person who knows how to deal with Jesus, who knows how he is. He had solutions for problems. And here's what he's doing. He's having them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Number one, you don't want hungry church people up in your face. Things could get ugly in an instant. There's a tipping point with these things, and I know. Number two, it's organized. We're getting everybody calmed down. Number three, if I see that anybody's eating in a pod of 50 or 100, I now know that that group's already been served. So you see just the pragmatic edge to it. Jesus is executing something very natural and something spiritual. It goes on. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down, about 5,000 men. These were the heads of the household, so likely 20 to 25,000 people. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks to God and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Golden Corral has nothing at this moment. He did the same with the fish. Verse 12. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. L listen to me for a moment. Before their eyes, they are witnessing a miracle moment with God Almighty. They are seeing the master, the king of kings, God in the flesh, perform a supernatural miracle, and it's mind-blowing. And I believe that in this passage, there is a journey, a progression, a process that's shown. What I want to do is, in the time that I have left, the moments I have, really, I want to give you an exegesis of a little bit of this passage and how, really, we can experience God's miracle moment in our lives and then again, also in our church. Here we go. Number one, jot this down. Every miracle moment, it starts with a need. So you read there that there's a great crowd of hungry church people, and, and we need, where are we going to get the bread to do it? There's a need. Some of us, when we see a need, we get so upset about it. We think that we've done something wrong with God. These people were walking with the literal Jesus, and a need came into their life. So when the need happens, don't take it as some sort of indictment on your faith. Actually look at it as a setup to something great God wants to do. Now, the disciples that were so filled with faith, uh, Philip pops off and he says, it's not sufficient. Andrew says, but how? How is this all going to happen? And here's what it feels like. It feels like, I got nothing. And we've all had moments in our life of, of that, maybe seasons where... It's like, I don't have a job. I got, I got nothing. What do you want me to do? I got, I got these kids to feed. I got nothing. Or maybe you feel aimless, like you have a job and you don't want to be there. You're like, I got to leave here. I don't know where I'm going, but anywhere but here. You know, God, I got nothing. I got, I got no next steps. God, I need direction in my life. God, God I, I'm out of options. I've got to make a decision, but it's in between two bad decisions. I got nothing. And that's what these guys feel like in the natural, but they had Jesus, so they had everything. And yet they feel like I got nothing because a need knocks at their door. Listen to me. That's very common. 
We think sometimes that we're the only ones facing a big medical bill, a big unexpected bill, a big issue, a big need that knocks on the door of our heart. But it's actually fairly common. And even with walking with God, you can still look at a need as an opportunity to show his goodness. Lester Summerall, the great preacher, he said this, I've never had the money to do any of the things God told me to do when he told me to do them. It's when I said yes that the money came. I never had it at the beginning. That might be like the title for my autobiography. I don't know that whole quote. Like, it just wasn't there. God has a great call, and it's like, let's take on the hill. What are you going to do it with? When we bought this building, we had 10 grand in the bank. That was to cover everything, including payroll. Like, we didn't have anything. We were ready to take on hell with a squirt gun, but we didn't have any money. And yet, when we obeyed God and took the step of faith, not a leap of faith, but a step of faith, when we did that, God honored it. You know, that tells me something. Some of us, we, we get this call of God to do something. Maybe it's start a business. Maybe it's take a next step. And you relay that call to your wallet, and then you're like, well, I'm just using some wisdom. I'm try-. And you will wisdom yourself out of your next step. It's not actually wisdom. Anything that stands against the counsel of God, it's not wisdom at all. It's kind of horrifying. Don't want to stand next to you type thing, right? And so so when God gives us a call, we have to obey. It doesn't matter what our wallet looks like. It doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. Oh, Pastor Joe, don't you think? I mean, I've heard things. Maybe there's a recession. Listen, the people in Washington from either party can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag. Shame the devil and tell the truth. If we wait to take a step because of them, we will be waiting for a long time. God can take care of us. I'm convinced God calls us to do big things sometimes when our wallet's a little empty or when the economy's in question because he wants to show his goodness and faithfulness that he will see us through in uncertain times despite what the world's doing. It's true. Imagine praying to God with a need. You're like, God, I want you to meet this need, and God answers you. You hear his voice, and he said, I'd like to bless you, but things are really tight up here in heaven right now. <laughs> the angels, you can't imagine the, the feeding. But I mean, you think teenagers are bad. These angels, I mean, they just eat. I, I, I'll hit you back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got a hit you back blessing coming at you, but I, I'm good for it. And, 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 and it's just laughable. I'm going to tell you, the closer that you get to God, sticker shock starts to go away. You don't think that the numbers that we propose are a big deal to me? Y'all, I'm from the North Country. I'm from the middle of nowhere. I'm, it's not like Timbuktu. I'm from Timbuk3, okay? Like, nowhere. These numbers are big. If it was all on me, it'd be pretty intimidating. But it's on God, and we have a church that's going to participate. Did you see that? Amen. That's, that's the heart of God. And so God's not going to say to you in your need, in your issue, that's just too big. He's never been intimidated. In fact, the people of God have a grand heritage at looking at big problems and big needs and eating them up and spitting them out. Amen, somebody? It's the beginning of a miracle. Number two, our miracle moment involves participation. Write that down. It involves participation. So so Jesus says, have the people sit down. Mark, it says that sit them down in hundreds and, and in fifties. And in fact, I actually like that passage in Mark. Mark 6 says this. Jesus says, they're all coming to be like, we, we need to feed these people. He says, you do it. You give them something to eat. Your arms broke. Do we need to push on your chest so you can breathe? You've been walking with the master. I've shown you how to do these. Just have faith. You do it. He's challenging them. He's challenging us to be the people that take him at his word. 
When God, write it down, when God works the miraculous, he shifts the focus from the need to his promise. The need becomes so big, but the Bible says magnify the Lord. You know, if you took a magnifying glass and could actually see the Lord, you're not making him bigger with the magnifying glass. I, I was taught that in school, but, but it really wouldn't. You're just making him bigger in your eyes. And what God wants to do is get your eyes off from the pressure, the angst, the anxiety of the need. And he wants you to, hey, look over here. I'm God. I have a promise for you. It's easy to start thinking that, well, if I just had a pile of cash, I would obey. If, if I had the money in the bank, I would take the next step. But you may not have what you need. However, God will always have a seed in your life that you can use. Oftentimes, listen to me now, it's so small, it's negligible. You don't even tie it to the great need that you have because it is so small. Remember what Andrew said, here's a boy with, with some fish and some, but, but what is that compared to, what, what is that going to do? How far will that go? It's so easy to overlook, but listen, don't discount your seed because it's a start. God rejoices that the work begins. Don't despise the days of humble beginnings. Amen, somebody. Stop praying, God, I need you to do something. Start praying, God, what's my step? What do you have for me? What do I need to do? What's my part to play? God, I will obey. Number three, here we go. So we need to have this participation. We need to realize that needs aren't intimidating. They're actually a setup. And then number three, miracle moments, they're going to require your faith. So what happened? Ultimately, the result, the de facto result of, of Jesus doing his miracle was they all had enough. It doesn't feel like you're going to have enough, but ultimately, you're going to have enough. Tomorrow will come. The sun will rise. And even further, when we trust God, he will see his promise through in our lives, but it doesn't feel that way. It's going to require faith. So the kid that comes around, he's got his loaves and fishes. Now, Again, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little country. In my holy imagination, he went and got the captain's special from Long John Silver's, okay? He's got some hush puppies. He's got some fish, some codfish. And, and I'm just telling you, if you have a stomach bug and you can't go, I know a place that you can go that can help you. With <laughs> and so, so he's, got, he's got this little, like, to go. He's got the lunch special, captain's special. He went, ding, ding on the way out. He's like walking along and Jimmy, that's in my mind, again, my holy imagination. He works at the Daily Planet or something. His name's Jimmy. Jimmy's the only kid that doesn't have a need. Everybody else there has a need. Jimmy has no need. Jimmy listened to his mama. He packed his little sack lunch that day. Jimmy was prepared. He, he read his proverb that morning. Jimmy is the only one of this motley crew that doesn't have a need. And here's what that tells me. When we hear from God, we win. He obviously was prepared. Now, the fish and the bread, it was only enough for one. And, and again, he's a teenager in my story, okay? Just let me preach the way I want. He's a teenager, right? There's just enough for one dude, one teen's lunch to eat. But because he offered his lunch freely, that only would have fed him for a day, and he offered it to God. God then multiplied it miraculously, but he had to have faith. What happened? Jimmy ate like a king. I'm convinced he ate more than what he would have if he just would have opened the bag and ate. And then there was a residual blessing. What's the residual? Well, A, 
everybody else got to eat good just because he did his part. Further, there were leftovers. So Jimmy went with a doggy bag. He's leaving home. His mom's going to think that he skipped out on, on eating his lunch that, that was packed. No, 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 no. He's going to come back with a residual blessing more than what was sent with him. Many people want God to move in their life without participation, and God does not work that way. Settle it in your heart. You want God just to come down, and it, really what you want is a wizard. You want somebody to come down and say abracadabra and poof be gone to all your little problems. But God wants you to take a step with him. This is not a religion, it's a relationship. And when you make Jesus Lord of your life, he's going to say, perfect, I'll handle this end, you handle that. You take this step, I'll meet you where you're at. Do you hear what I'm saying, everybody? When you need a miracle, write it down. Stop, stop, stop looking for the miracle. Look for your part. And again, it'll be so small. It'll be insignificant. It'll be so easy to look over. But it's something that would be enough if you just trust it in God's hands. Now, we're going to do a little test. Don't be intimidated. This is an all play. I need everybody to respond. And here's the response I need from you. I need you to respond to what I pose. Is it natural or supernatural? There's not a third response, okay? So natural or supernatural. Here we go. Uh, grab Jimmy's lunch and seat people. Natural or supernatural? Natural. Louder. Listen, I said all play. Natural, or, natural okay? Um, seating them in hundreds and fifties. Natural or supernatural? Natural. Serving the people. Natural or supernatural? Natural. Multiplying loaves and fishes. Okay. Eating. Natural. If you watch me do it, sometimes it is supernatural. But yes, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Collecting leftovers. Okay, now think about it. What did Jesus ask him to do? See, we put the pressure on us to have the supernatural response, the big thing. Oh, God, I need fireworks. And God's like, hey, just plant this seed in the ground. You're like, I don't have time for that. I need fireworks. And it's like, sometimes we miss the spectacular, right? We're looking at all that. And we miss the supernatural. And so we have a part to play, something we just have to do. Like sit down, do your part, feed the people, eat. These are all natural things, steps that we can take. And so we need to do our part. Ask yourself, what's my strategy? God, what do I need to be doing? What's in my hand currently? And it's not going to feel spiritual. So, so God gave Moses a big old staff, right? I'm telling you, with my backwards logic, it still doesn't make sense. You take, there's a red sea. You take a stick and you whop that water and it parts the sea. Bad English, good preaching. That don't make sense. Now, let me just explain. God still wanted him to take the staff and strike the water. He has no power to divide a sea. God can do it, but God still wants him to do it. And that's where some of us trip up. You get tripped up because you're like, I don't see how this is going to work, right? You have a God, you know? So like, it's okay that you don't have him figured out. It's I right. Just take the next step that he tells you to take. <laughs> Amen, somebody? I got to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for me. So what's in your hand? Is it a business dream? Lay it before the Lord. Maybe it's a, an instrument. Play it for the Lord. We need more people in this band. I need some of you people, you know how to play. Like, well, I just never. Do it. Sign up today. Your church would love to hear you do it. Maybe you have a pen. Right. Maybe you have a paintbrush. Maybe it's for art. Paint. Maybe it's for walls. 
paint. Do it for the glory of God. Maybe it's a hammer or a camera or a drafting board or a computer. Maybe it's raising up your kids. Lay it before the Lord. Say, God, what's in my hand that I can do? I can't control it all. I can't control the weather in Michigan. Thank God it's going my way this time. But like, God, I got this. What do you want me to do? You may not have a microphone, but you have a neighbor. You can reach people for Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying, everybody? God, put something in your hand. But God cannot partner with your inactivity. What cuffs the hands of God? He will not do it aside from his character, aside from what he expressed in his word. And so write it down. The other side of the coin is that the ordinary becomes extraordinary when God touches it. That that small thing, that small step, that thing that's within your grasp, it can become a miraculous thing. Do not do not, do not despise the day of humble beginnings. Now, when we lay it at the feet of God, he makes the miraculous happen. What is that one thing that's in your hand that if it was in the master's hand, he could really use it for the miracle? Now, people have a hesitation of giving up their lunchbox, their little sack lunch. They, have a, they, they, they choke on that sometimes. And I, I ask the question, why? And, and why do people struggle? Uh, two main thoughts. Number one, it's easier to ignore others when we're comfortable. So when we're doing okay, it's hard to see need, okay? Uh, so like the church in the West, we're kind of pathetic sometimes when it comes to giving to world missions or helping with humanitarian things that are associated with missions. Why? Because we're doing so well. All of the abundance and prosperity that has come to the West, actually, in some cases, it's just made us weak. How about this one? Here's a real direct example. I love the fact that we can just do like a little FaceTime virtual doctor's appointment. That's awesome. So easy to do it, but then you don't stand on the truth of God's word for your healing, for the promise of God. And so when you're comfortable, it's easy to look over the needs of others, including your own spiritual development. Second reason in all of this is God often asks us to do things, again, bad English, that don't make sense to us naturally. It doesn't add up. So Jimmy passed both of these. This is forever what you're going to call him in your Bible. Yeah, I just write it down right there in the, in the flyleaf. It's easier to ignore others. With he was comfortable. He had lunch. He didn't have a need, and yet he made himself available in all of it. And even though his little Long John Silver's to-go box, it, it paled in comparison to the need, he knew it didn't make sense to him naturally. He was still willing to participate in the miracle. The people that get the miracle are the ones that are willing to trust God despite common knowledge. Now, listen, God is not going to lead you to do something foolish or stupid or something that's going to hurt you. He may lead you to do something that's unconventional. So going, you might read in the Old Testament where he like pairs down a massive army to just 300, right? You think that's, that's not wise. No, it was, it was the wisdom of God. God knew things they didn't. It just didn't look like wisdom. And so Jimmy had this opportunity and he freely offered his lunch. Note that. The disciples did not take this kid's lunch from him, you know, taking candy from him. They didn't do it. He offered it willingly and God will not take yours. God is a gentleman. Now, if you submit said lunch sack for the blessing of God, get ready. But on the other end of that, he will not take that from you. It has to be something where you just say, God, I trust you, and therefore I obey, which is this. Obedience always produces blessing, 
that may not be the most profound thing you've ever heard. You say, Pastor, I've heard that before. It is something that is very simply said. It's very hard to do. Deep things in the Bible aren't confusing. They're just hard to do. You want one that's even harder than obedience produces blessing? Uh, Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. You get what it means, but it's deep into the lake, right? Obedience always produces blessing. I don't need you to agree with this. God doesn't need your agreement. He needs your obedience. He wants you to trust him enough where you take that step and obey. Say amen, somebody. And again, the temptation. Let me just validate this for you is, is it even going to be enough? But read the story. There were baskets and baskets of leftovers because it was in the master's hand. Write it down. God multiplies what we offer him. It's multiplication. Now, some churches won't preach this, and it robs you. I'm not seeking the gift. I'm seeking the gift on your account. I want you to get this truth. 2 Corinthians 9. Now may he, who's he? God, this is Jesus. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. Uh, So if you don't know, you're not from a farming, agricultural, agrarian background, you got to plant a seed to get a crop. Okay. God is saying, I'm going to put that into your hand. I'm going to do that. So don't eat your seed. He said, I'm going to give seed to the sower and bread for food. So I'm going to take care of you, but I'm also going to put something in your hand that it's for investing, okay? Supply and multiply the seed. He who supplies the seed, he supplies and multiplies it. He multiplies it. Say that with me. One, two, three. He he multiplies the seed that you've sown and increases the fruit of your righteousness. What does God do? He both gives you the seed and the sustenance. He's going to feed you along the way, but he's going to put something in your hand. Always does this that he wants you to sow, he wants you to plant it, he wants you to invest it, and what it's going to do is like when you plant a crop, corn, for example, one kernel goes in and all kinds of heads of corn pop out of the stalk. It is true spiritually. It's why God gives us this example that we can trust him with the multiplication. Now, why does God do this? It's hard to feed someone else when you're starving yourself. Church I grew up in, they would have been content if you were saved. Lordy, Lordy, get baptized in water. Act right. Be moral until you die. But they were happy if you were broke. And that's remnants of the Roman church. I'm going to tell you, it's that foul spirit of poverty that holds people back. If you don't have, like, ever fly a plane, put your mask on first, then help the mask. You have to have supply from God. He wants you to be blessed to the spot where you can be a blessing where you can take care of other people. And how does he do it? He gives you a seed, and you take your step, and then he multiplies the seed. I will say it until the day I die. You cannot outgive God. He will not be outdone. He will not take second place. He is preeminent. He is first. And when you give into his kingdom, I'm here to tell you, he sees all of that. Any area. This is not just a financial principle. When you get it, it applies to every area. When you bring it under the truth of God's word, when you bring it under the lordship of Jesus, I'm telling you there's a multiplication, but you get to choose how much. How much of God have you allowed into your life? If it's a little bit, he'll take what he can get. But the multiplier is only going to be a little. It's not even that you won't get a lot back. Man, God's God's the best deal in town. He's going to give you a ton even for your little. But the multiplier will be little. If you give God a lot, let me put it this way. If you give him everything, if he has your heart, the multiplier is so much bigger. If he has all of you, 
he has an infinite supply. And if he can get it through you, he can get it to you. You know, there's cisterns and reservoirs. Man, when the reservoirs send in the water on, even the pipes get wet, everybody. You'll have all that you need because our God isn't trying to take from you. He's trying to get something to you. Amen? Now, this is not just about a process of building buildings. This is how you build people. It's messages like this. And I've learned this. You build a big people, they'll build a big church. I've never been out to have a big room and, and be one of these guys with stars in his eyes discipling his microphone. That is not God's call on my life. But at the same time, if I begin to build you, it will demand that this church grows. In fact, it has. And so this is the type of message that we need to grow and to be everything God's called us to be. It's why we're in this season of expanding this house. It's, it's that we have to, I love the little vinyl that's on the wall cut here, right? We got to pop through these walls, get to that other side, renovate it, make it into everything God's called it to be so that we can reach the people that God's called us to reach and take care of the people that we have. Say amen, somebody. Amen. The church isn't a building. I get that. People have said, well, Pastor Joe, the church isn't a building. I get it. I get it. And the family is in a house. We can keep going. But here's the big idea. All of us are going home to an apartment or some house or home. You're going to some place that you're going to hang your hat tonight, okay? And so it's not about the house, but the house gives context. It gives place for what the family does. I've noticed this more than ever. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I'm just in my 30s as far as you're concerned. But uh, as I'm pushing another decade, I'm looking at my kids, and it's alarming. Because I'm looking at my oldest son, Aurelio, and he looks like a man cub. Where'd your feet get so big? <laughs> like, he will, he will, I promise you, he will lap me, okay? Like, it's gonna, it's all done, it's all over. The only place I've ever been tall in my life was in Sicily. I was a king. <laughs> Jack comes in the room. His head looks big, his hands look big. Mom, Dad, you know what that is? Get ready for a growth spurt. And I realize that this home is where we have memories and it's where we live our life, but it's where we live our life. It's a greenhouse. And I don't even notice it because it's happening right in front of my eyes. What does that happen? It happens at home. That's what this is. We are a church family. We believe that. New Chapel, we've learned more than any that the church is not a building, it's a people. But you listen to me. This family has a house and it helped. And when we expand this house, it's going to help a whole lot more. Amen, somebody? Now, this is coming in two weeks. It's going to be your opportunity to pledge. In three weeks, it's going to be your opportunity to give. And there's a question posed to all of us, and it's really going to gauge where your faith is at with this. There's three levels that I see. The first level is this. Early on with God, you're going to ask, well, God, what can I afford? Hey, sweetheart, what can I afford? What, what can we afford and it's not going to hurt? Can we do this or can we do this? Like, what extra do we have? How is this not going to... And let me just tell you, that's okay to ask that question. Some of you have a budget that is so tight. I mean, if it was a button on a shirt, we'd be afraid of it popping off. It is in the eye. You know I mean? It's, a, it's tight. I got you. And you can pray that, and God will meet you where you're at. The further that you go with God, the second question that's going to come into your heart is, God, what would I sacrifice? What can I afford? But then what? Like, if I could have my druthers, if I could have my way, what would I sacrifice? When you learn to trust God, again, sticker shock fades away. And you start saying things like, God, hey, no matter what happens, no matter what the budget looks like, you provide, I trust you. God, what do you want? Have your way. I want to listen to you. 
And I'm not trying to solicit more from you, but listen, you'll start looking very closely at your coffee budget. Hey, sweetie, what, what do we spend on coffee? Well, you know, we just get the grounds, and, you know, every once in a while we spring and get Javalia. How much you spend at Starbucks and Tim Hortons? I feel like Tim should be graduated from college now with all the money I've spent <laughs> over at Tim's place. And like how much, Pretty soon you find out that the Frappa Macca Fufu costs like a grand a year. You're like, oh. God, what could we sacrifice? And then the third level is, God, what do I trust for you to do through me? When the trust thing comes in, you're not afraid. The fear is out the window because you know that God hasn't brought you this far to dump you, that God will see you through him, whatever he says. If it's him, you can trust him in it. Say amen, somebody. This is not me trying to solicit more out of you, truly. I need you to hear him and obey. Because this campaign will come and go, and we will see God's goodness. I, I know it. And if you don't want to do it, we'll do it without you. If campaigns make you angry, you just leave church. But don't tell off on yourself. At least smile until you hit your car, you know. But come back here and continue to not give. We love you, and we'll continue to carry you along the way. And I believe God will minister to your heart. But listen, it's not about the money. I want you to listen to God and obey him. The Bible says that men of God like me are called not to put a guilt trip on you. I don't want you. God doesn't want you giving out of grudging or necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God wants you to give because you're excited about what he's doing. And, and, and he's going to give seed to the sower. He wants you to give, the Bible says, as you purpose in your heart. You know what that tells me? God Almighty is going to speak to your heart. You have a Holy Spirit. I'm not him. You just need to ask, God, what's my part to play? And when he does speak to you, and he will, write it down and just be obedient to that. Everybody say, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Now, we've said yes in the past, and we've seen God's goodness. And in fact, I think about some of the people in the room right now, and, and you came in the last maybe six months, maybe in the last two years. And you're here, and you've enjoyed church, but you've never really heard one of these campaigns at New Chapel. We've, we've done this in the past. In fact, it was people before you that paid to purchase the building and do the renovations. It was sweat equity that they put in. It was chairs that they purchased. It was instruments, AVL that they put uh, time and, and, and finances into, and it paved the way for you. And now is the time. If you're truly part of our church, hey, it's time to pay it forward for the next guy so he could experience God's goodness like you have. Now, listen, if you're new, yeah, yeah. If you're new, I don't want you to feel pressured. If this is your first day here, what a crazy day to come to New Chapel. I get it. Maybe you've been coming just for a couple of weeks. Sit back and enjoy yourself. If this was the miracle of the dividing the food up, right, to feed the 5,000, I'd say eat up, enjoy yourself. This is all for you. It's not about that. It's about those people that call New Chapel home just obeying their God. Amen? Now, Kaya and I believe in this. Your leadership believes in this, and so we are going to go first. There's 62 building projects in the Bible, and every time God calls his leaders to sacrifice first. If he's calling everybody to sacrifice, the leadership does it first. Now, next week, Pastor Tommy Pinkerton is going to be in the house, which if you haven't been there, you need to come back just for the show. It's going to be a riot. He's a preacher. He's going to preach at us, and I said, hey, Pastor Tommy, would you be willing to do youth? And so he's not only going to do Sunday, but he's going to do Sunday night, the Super Bowl party, and then he's going to do youth on Wednesday. But then I said, hey, Pastor Tommy, since you're in town, 
What if we had it on a prayer meeting and a worship night? He said, let's do it. So I want you to write this down Tuesday, February 13th, day before Valentine's. You ain't going out anyway. You're better at 8 o'clock. Tuesday, February 13th, Pastor Tommy is coming into town, and we are going to have a night of prayer and preaching. And here's the big idea with this. Uh, this is going to be the night where our leaders are going to go first. So pastors, staff, interns, coordinators, that's going to be our night to lead the way with sacrifice. It's right. It's good. And it's something I believe you need to see is that your leadership is taking the first step. Amen, somebody? Now i got to wrap this up. Uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's a, there's a little baggie. If you could pull that out, it would mean a lot to me. Grab this little sack lunch. This is an all play. You know I can see you, right? So like, just grab the sack lunch. Grab the, <laughs> grab the sack lunch out. Yeah, hold this up. Now, who said that New Chapel doesn't have relics? This is the actual lunch bag that Jimmy used on the day they... Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But this could be a monument in your family's history because inside this little sack lunch, I got a treat for you. Inside here, there's a card that has important dates on it, some of the things that we've talked about in the past. And then there's a little offering envelope and there's a pledge card. So not, not next week, but... The week after that is going to be our, our Pledge Sunday. It's not a special offering day. This is the day where you're going to be praying and maybe praying with your spouse, and you're going to say, hey, God has called us over the next three years to give this amount of money, and then what we're going to do is we're going to tell God, we're going to tell the devil, and we're going to, we're going to tell the church exactly where we stand. Now, nobody's going to know your amount. It's not about that. But we're going to put a line in the sand in, in two weeks and then the week after that, on February 25th, we're going to have our miracle offering. Now, people have asked before, is this like, like a, in addition to what we're pledging? It's not like that. The example that I gave before is that if God's telling you to give 15 grand over three years and you gave three grand at the miracle offering, what you're saying to us is over the next three years, we, we should expect 12 grand to come in. So it's all part of the same lump. You just write down whatever you say, this is what we're going to do, include what you plan on giving the next week. And, and people say, well, is it a big chunk? That's what you're I well, I'm not going to turn that down, just to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, like, let's get this thing fueled. We're believing God for 10% of the total need to come in on that day. We're calling it a miracle offering for miracles. But on the other end, you might not have all of that cash. And so your miracle offering might be $20 and you're just steady on. It's not about that. It's about your participation. In the two dates that really matter, February 18th, Pledge Sunday, and February 25th is Miracle Offering Sunday. Because here's what I know. This little sack lunch in your hand, when given to God, is a setup for a miracle. Two stories I want to pray for us. When Kai and I were first kind of flirting, dating, seeing each other, making eyes at each other, I was leaving a church service, and she was getting ready to go into a church service. And I was like, hey, you know. And uh, I was like, it was a great sermon. It was great whatever. And, uh, you know, I was excited, and I gave into the thing. And said, Do you have something to give? And Kaya said, I don't have anything to give. Now, we are living at the church at this point in our life, going to a billion services a week. And so I, I reached into my pocket. This is back when we carried cash. Remember those days? Anyway, so I, I took out a $5 bill, and I ripped it in half, and I gave half to Kaya. And I said, you go in, you put that in the offering bucket, and I'll, next service I'm in, I'm going to put it in. Well, I was very dutiful. I, next service that I attended, I put that $5 half into the offering bucket. 
And it's uncertain to this day whether that church is holding on to that half $5 waiting for its mate to return. Kaya texted me this picture last night. Uh, in her jewelry box is half of a $5 bill. When I first heard about it, I was so type A. I was like, why did you do that? She's like, it's, it's a monument to the kind of family I want to have. See, we have this disposition, and Kai and I still do. If we visit a church or if we're just, like, hearing a message, if an offering bucket goes by, we will not allow a bucket to go by with us put something in it. We're going to put seed. He supplies seed to the sower. Now, when Kai and I first got married four years later, uh, we would... We would still use offering envelopes. This is before online giving. I'm dating myself a little bit. Don't try to guess my age. It's uh, crude. But we had offering envelopes, and, and Kai and I would put our tithes and our offerings inside the offering envelope, and without fail, we would write the word multiply on the envelope every, every single time. And when we would put it in there, we'd be holding hands, we'd put it inside that bucket. And I'm here to tell you, if God didn't multiply it, we were going to come up short. And I've come to the spot in my life and in my walk with God where it's like, God, I trust you to multiply my little lunch sack because I know I don't have enough to do everything you've called me to do. But when I trust you with my little lunch pail, I never turn up light. You always meet my needs. You always meet me where I'm at. And so we still pray multiplication over our tithes and offerings today. I've never seen God forsake me in this. And I believe when you trust him with your lunch pail, my friend, listen to me. He won't let you down. Heavenly Father, this is a holy moment. God, I know that you're speaking to your kids right now. I get it. Some of us are like, man, when are we going to get back to normal? But God, this is you. This is your moment. And it makes sense that if you attend a good church, that there's going to be moments of challenge. This is a challenge from heaven. God, I pray that my church would be willing to trust you. God, I pray that they'd be willing to trust you because of where culture's going, where school's going, where pressure's on employers. God, I pray that they'd be willing to trust you with everything. I pray that when they do, that they see your goodness. Oh God, I pray that you move in their hearts and in our midst today. And if there's anybody that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another moment. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It means you'll go to heaven when you die. You'll avoid a Christless burning hell. But eternal life can rush into your existence today. You can experience the peace of God. It's on the other end of you giving up, being the God over your own life. It's called making Jesus Lord. We're going to pray that right now. Church, pray it with those people praying it for the first time. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. He died on the cross in my place for my sin so I could be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. I believe it. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's give it up for those people. Come on, New Chapel. Bring somebody with you. Let me pray for you before we leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, see you next weekend. 
We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.